Welcome to Tucson New Thought. So I lived in a place of faith today in this regard. Normally, I like to see the lyrics to a song before I come into a Sunday. I didn't ask her for the lyrics. I didn't ask her to know what song it was. I just lived in faith today. Boy, did you intuit what I wanted to talk about today. (laughs) And I think it's a lesson that um, is increasingly necessary to live. Nothing's going to change until you do, until you change. We, you know, we, we, we go about our lives constantly unfolding, constantly unfolding, constantly unfolding. But the degree to which we maintain a frame of mind, we will, if we are maintaining that frame of mind, we will continue to experience the same level of experience. It is up to each and every one of us. If we would like to create a world that works for everyone, which is what this center stands for, if we are here to create a world that works for everyone, that begins not by trying to change something out there. It begins by changing that which is right here in our heart, in our mind, or in our heart and in our mind. You decide. There's a story of change and self-discovery that is very near and dear to my heart. And it, uh, a, a movie version of it opened 80 years ago on this date. A movie version around change and coming to a deeper understanding of the self. Do you know what movie that is? The Wizard of Oz. It opened on August 25th, 1939. The favorite movie of mine growing up. And it is a deeply spiritual movie. A deeply spiritual movie. It is a parable around how we are in this world. And what I have come to realize as I have gone into the spiritual path, you know, because that wasn't always my path, but I had to change my heart and then my life changed but I now recognize the parables all around me, and I am grateful for that. So in this story, there's a woman. Her name is Dorothy Gale. Dorothy Gale is swept up in a cyclone and is taken away from Kansas to another world. Kansas being the representation of that which is, um, which is the material world. Kansas is representative of the the material world. And when she goes to Oz on the cyclone, she is being taken of her own own accord. And and, and just think about that. She had to be open to it. You know, she wanted to run away. Remember, she starts the movie by running away and then comes back. Well, then she is taken away because she's on a journey of discovery, a journey of ultimately spiritual discovery. And part of her spiritual discovery is modeled in her companions that she meets there. The scarecrow. What does the scarecrow want? Brains. Brains. The scarecrow wants to deepen into the intellect, that intellectual knowing, that that place of wisdom, that place of, of expanding what we know. 
It is also modeled in the tin man. What does the tin man want? Heart. Heart. The tin man wants that to, to, to experience feeling and trust and know that feeling is the core of all creation. I talked about that last week. Feeling is the core of all creation. That our quality of life is exponentially affected by feeling. And then the lion, what does the lion want? Oh, don't we all want courage? I have lived parts of my life in fear more than I would like to admit. And there were times when I had when I thought I would find courage outside the self, but what I have discovered is that when my mind and my heart are in alignment, that I can step up in faith and experience courage, not derive courage. That I can be courageous. I can be faithful. I can allow myself to move through that path of change. In this parable, she also battles her deepest fear, which is represented by what? The witch, the wicked witch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What she comes to through her journey is that she has been seeking outside the self. And what she has found outside the self ultimately is illusory. It's illusion. And that when she truly accepted that all she needed was within her, that's when her life changed. And perhaps she went back to Kansas, but she could now, she could now navigate the material experience of life with a new mindset, with a new heart set. That's the story. That's the story. And I think on some level, we're all learning this story all the time. I think that's why 80 years later, that movie is still just as popular as it was. Actually, it was a little bit of a flop when it came out. It, it, did, not, it, did, not, uh, it did not get great ratings. Did you know that? No. It did not get great ratings. Um, it only really became very popular later when they would do TV reruns of it. Yeah. She, find that what she, need, she found that what she needed was within, but she needed to live the lesson. And so when she clicks her heels three times and says there's no place like, like home, that power was always within her. That's the lesson, right? The power was always within you, but you needed to learn it. That's true for all of us. The power is entirely within us, but we are on a constant unfolding of becoming to that place of understanding that, 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 we can have the lives we want to have, not because of anything we accumulate or anything out there in the material world, but just because of who we are. Because all of that, it's just stuff. <coughs> it's not you. There, I learned a very difficult lesson back in 2001. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my romantic history. My husband is in the room, so. <laughs> and I, and I, I don't know that I've ever told this in this context before. There are people who will have heard it. When I was living in New York City at the end of the millennium, <laughs> which is funny to say, I lived in New York from 1997 
and moved from New York uh, to Los Angeles in the year 2000. One of the things that was happening for me in my life was I was, in 1997, I was fresh out of university and I was gonna go conquer the world. How many people feel like they're gonna conquer the world after university, especially as an actor? I got my degree in acting and directing. I was like, I'm going to New York and I'm gonna be a big Broadway star. <laughs> Jazz hands. <laughs> that didn't quite work out. That's okay. Because what happened is I got there and perhaps, perhaps I got eaten up a little bit in that energy which is something that can happen to us. We can get eaten up by the effects of the world around us to the degree that we allow ourselves to be accessible and, and receptive to being eaten up. I was searching for something. I was ultimately searching for love. And I thought, oh, I'm gonna look out there. I'm gonna look out there. I'm gonna find that love. And I started dating this guy and we moved in together. And several months into the relationship, probably about a year into the relationship, we'd been living together and I thought, this is a toxic relationship and I should be out of it. I really need to get out of it. But living together and in New York, trying to find a, you know, an apartment, that's a pretty big ordeal. Um, I had this thought one day, I thought, oh, I could go to LA and then I could escape the relationship and I'd never have to deal with him. I could just go to him and say, I'm moving to, I'm moving to Los Angeles. And so that's what I did. I went to him, I said, I'm moving to Los Angeles. And he said, great, I'll move with you. <laughs> and I didn't have the guts to say no. Because I didn't have a great deal of self-esteem or self-worth at the time. So we moved to Los Angeles together. The whole time I knew that this was the wrong path. I knew that this was, a, this was not a good path. This was a path that was detrimental to my well-being. And I had family who, would, who, who tried to reach out and say, have you really given thought to this relationship? Because they could see it. But when we want something like love so desperately, we put on blinders to a lot of the things that are detrimental. So I moved to Los Angeles in 2000, and it was February of 2001 that I had finally reached my breaking point, and I literally walked out the door. Literally, I walked out the door and I said, I can't go back. I got in the car, I drove to a bookstore, and I stood or, and, I, and I wandered around that bookstore for a couple hours trying to figure out what am I gonna do now? I left the bookstore, I went to a mall, I called my dad, he was living in San Diego at the time, and I said, I've walked out and I can't go back. And he said, just drive, just come down to San Diego. So that's what I did. Ultimately, I'm not with that guy anymore. Thank, thank goodness. What happened is he did track me down. I didn't let him know that I was leaving. He did track me down, he called my dad. We talked on the phone and I said, we're done. This is it, this is like for real, this is it. And, he's, and, and we then went through the negotiation of like, are you gonna stay in LA or do you want the, you know, you do the breakup thing. Are you, do you want the apartment? How are we gonna facilitate this breakup? He ultimately decided he wanted to move back to New York. Fine, let me have LA, you can have New York. I'm good with that. And I was with my dad for about a week and then we had decided on a particular day he was going to definitely be out of the apartment and I would come back. 
So I came back to the apartment and I unlocked the door and I opened it up and there was literally nothing there. He had taken everything, everything. And I had a big time spiritual awakening in that moment because that was the first time I really learned the lesson. That's just stuff. I have me. That's just stuff. I know who I am. I don't need the stuff to qualify my place in this world. So that was the beginning. That was the little seed of a spiritual journey that I began that ultimately led me to where I am now. Because had that not happened, I might not have then put myself out there overcoming my fear, living in that place of courage to actually start going on auditions in LA. Auditions led me to particular shows that brought me to a theater which also happened to be a spiritual center and that's how I became the spiritual giant you see before you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're all magnificent. Thank you. You know, it was a journey ultimately of discovering that if I wanted to be loved, I had to love myself first and foremost. And that's what we teach here. We teach love. That's it. You know, we use the word God. I, I, I'm using it less and less. Because to me, what that is, that, that greatness on demand, God, get it? Greatness on demand, that good orderly direction, it's all love. There's no person. There's no being out there. There is only us being here and now. We are love. And it becomes challenging when I see the things that are happening in the world. But I do remind myself, it's just stuff. I know who I am. And the more I do that, the more I become what I would like to be as a way shower and encourage each and every one of us to become way showers of love, we actually change our hearts. When we change ourselves, we change the world. The changing of the self is done entirely in mind, 100% in mind. That rooted place of alignment between mind and heart, when we change that, life gets better. It is not to say that we will be completely devoid of anything that is contrary to our, I'm going to say this, acute happiness. We don't have to be chronically unhappy, but we can have acute unhappiness. And when that happens, we can step into this place of knowing that when we know who we are, when we know that we are the expression and impression both of love, the, happiness is, the unhappiness is temporary because at the core, we are happy people because we are magnificent. Everybody says happiness is a choice. I say, no, it's not. It's our natural state of being. Unhappiness is a choice to decide that these things out there are going to have an effect on us that is adverse in any way is the thing that will lead us down the road to unhappiness and the experience of unhappiness. So I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson in that breakup. I learned my lesson. But I have to ask myself this question. Was the lesson a requirement? Was the lesson a requirement? Was the heartbreak 
a requirement for me to learn the lesson. Is that it is rhetorical. <laughs> <laughs> You've clearly been watching. <laughs> was the was the heartbreak, was the experience necessary for me to learn the lesson? The answer, and nobody's going to want to hear this, but the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Because until I learn the lesson, I'm going to keep recreating the circumstances in my life that are going to show up in an adverse way until I learn the lesson. So my job is to change my mind. I do that through my spiritual practice. That's what I've come to discover. And I do it through the power of decision. The power of decision to decide that I am going to be something different in mind, first and foremost, that then be becomes the thing outside the self. That's what's important to me. I'm not trying to change the stuff out there anymore because that stuff, it's not me, it's stuff. I'm me. So I have been utilizing the power of decision this month as a resource for my own inspiration, which I then bring to you and trust that you are all inspired in your own unique way. And as you walk in, you are given the opportunity to write down a number. This, this month, the number has been a number between 1 and 165. And what I do, Nadia, would you do us the honor of choosing for, because I could actually just pull out a number and say, oh, it's number four. <laughs> what is the number? number 78. 78. The number is 78. So in this book, The Power of Decision, I turn to page 78. This took me a lot of time to get over the fear of doing things like this. <laughs> but I live in faith now. One, two. There are three, there are three paragraphs on this page. Which one shall I read? One. The fact that many important figures in every branch of the sciences and arts have been unhappy and yet brought forth great creative works is to belabor the point. I, he's making a point. I actually had to start in the middle of a paragraph. I apologize. They could have accomplished all that they did and probably more if they had been happy. <laughs> Spirit never fails. Spirit never fails. Okay. So he's saying the same thing I've just been saying. I went through the experience I went through because that was my state of mind. As I change my state of mind, I require that experience no longer, and so it changes. If I am stepping away from my natural state of being, which is happiness into a state of unhappiness because I'm aligning myself with all the things that are out there, that's all on me. It's not on the stuff out there, and it's not on my relationships with any other people. I decide. They could have accomplished all that they did and probably more if they had been happy. There is no virtue in depression, bitterness, and static living. There's no virtue in it. Such states have never made anyone more spiritual, more creative, or more loving. I want you to hear that. The things that can drive us down are not required to make us more spiritual, more creative, more happy. They are not required. But there is a common theme in a lot of spiritual communities that our suffering is the thing that can 
raise us up ultimately. When we learn to move past that suffering, then we will be illuminated. That is not a necessity. And you get to decide for yourself the degree to which you are going to suffer in your life. I can see no reason for a divine creative spirit to create you with a body that you can keep well if you want to, with a mind that you can keep positive if you want to, with emotions which will respond to your construction, to constructive attitudes, with a flexible universe all around you that you can control and in it create good experiences. All underlined and highlighted, all negative states are self-created and can be self-neutralized. Dorothy and I had a similar journey of self-discovery. It took us on a different path of experience, but we had to come to that deepest place of understanding that whatever we require out there is first found within. It's all here, right here. Everyone take a breath. And if it's comfortable for you to close your eyes, Just allow yourself to settle into this knowing right here and right now. That in this moment and in every moment, but right here, right now, there is a power for good. In this universe, it is this universe and we can use it and we are using it right here and right now. There is only this one power. There is only this one presence. There is only this one infinite creative resource. There is only one love. And we are living the life of that love. And we express it and, and experience it as our own in our own unique individualized way. But there is only one. There is no separation. There is only this goodness. There is only this flow. And right here and right now, rooted in this knowledge, I trust and know that we, each and every one of us, is a blessing to the experience of the one. I live this and trust this and know this here and now. I know that all lessons are learned perfectly, easily, and effortlessly by means of each and every one of us. And none ever require heartache. But I truly know as well that if we are in the experience of heartache, that we learn the lesson that the change is rooted within. I allow this to be at the forefront of my process, my thinking process. I allow this to be rooted in my heart and trust that the feelings that I feel about it exponentially create the quality of my life. And I trust this to be so for each and every one of us. So knowing this, trusting this, allowing this, and with great, great honor for this creative process in my life and in the lives of each and every one of us, I simply say, yes, I step out of the way and trust in the perfect flow. I know, I allow, and I release this word as the law of life here and now. I let it be so, as together we say, and so it is. Thank you for listening. 
Visit TucsonNewThought.org for updates on everything that's happening at the center. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Tucson New Thought. Namaste.